Well, marriage is a living picture. And all marriages are a living picture. And understand, I'm not talking about a Polaroid snapshot. You know, like one moment in time kind of a thing. But really we're talking more like a living picture, more like a movie, where there's a whole series of pictures that all those pictures come together and they tell a story. Every marriage is a picture. And it's a movie. And I've got here seven possible marriage movie titles. That, that could be kind of what summarize up, not every moment, but on the whole is what I'm talking about. That could summarize up what uh, your marriage, for those who are married, what your marriage is looking like. Here's some very possible ones. Uh, one, two college roommates. Two college roommates who, who happen to be living together, residing together. But when it comes right down to it, it's really a story of two roomies hanging together, but yet living very independent lives and really on two very different career paths in life, if you will. And some that may be you. Uh, Another one, uh, the Israeli-Hamas conflict. (laughs) I mean, here's a couple, and you may be in one, and you may, or you may know of one, but it's like, you know, there's periods of truce, but hidden underneath, they are always ready to be lobbing bombs. And it's just all a war. And that truly can be the living picture. Another one, the masquerade. Living in public, showing yourself among family and friends is one thing. But get the mask off behind closed doors, and it's a whole different facade going on in the reality there. Or a fourth one, the Jim and Carol story, the party-hardy partners. (laughs) I'm not going there, man. Okay. But, I mean this seriously, I remember at the University of Minnesota and some of my friends got married, and as I look back, I go, you know what, really, when they got married, they got married so that together, they could just party hardy all of life. Their jobs were just about living to be able to make money, to, to party hardy on the weekends. Ah! And uh, that may be. Or, let's go complete opposite, the Barney and Friends movie. You know, it's the couple where, bless their hearts, they're so sweet and soft and cuddly, and they just kind of skip through life. And it's like, da 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 But there's a time where it's like, are you in the same world I'm in? You know, it's like we're just happy-go-lucky bunnies or dinosaurs or whatever those things are kind of stuff going on. Or let me bring up the seventh one, the image bearers. The image bearers. I'm talking about two, or I'm sorry, I missed it. The odd couple. The odd couple. Here is the odd couple. Opposites that never grow into a team. Now, this isn't about it's a problem of opposites. Because, like, who isn't somewhat of an opposite? And married couples, the longer you're together, you're like, we are so opposites. You know, like kids. You would think they would come out similar. But they just don't. And yet they haven't worked where they haven't formed their differences into working assets together. And then the the last one, the image bearers. And I'm talking about two unique teammates working to thrill God 
by resembling, by portraying the relationship that they have between Christ and the church. What? (laughs) Well, here's the point. The point is, is that Scripture tells us that the purpose of marriage is that a husband and a wife be living, breathing uh, images, portrayers of what the Jesus and the church thing is. And listen, God loves his redemption story. I mean, he loves his redemption story. And think of this. Here is a God who who has done this redemption story. We'll bring that here in just a little bit. But he's done this redemption story. And he looks on the whole face of the earth and he sees married couples all over his planet. And married couples who, who are living like, he goes, that's kind of like the redemption story. Can you imagine the joy of God? Men and women all around this whole planet living out the gospel, the redemption story. What's God's purpose for marriage? It's to be a living picture. Question, what is God's purpose for marriage? What is God's purpose for marriage? Okay, second time, you're kind of not sure, like the first time, maybe you got it wrong. No, I was just emphasis. Okay, to be a living picture, and to be, and we're going to go here, and I'm going to prove it in just a second. To be a living picture of what? Okay, the gospel story, the redemption story, was like Christ and the church. Okay, we'll, we'll clarify that. Now, let me predicate it with this. When Karen and I got married, that was not what I saw as the purpose of marriage. That wasn't what I understood the purpose of marriage to be. I grew up going to church all my stinking life. We'll talk about that here in a minute. So if you're kind of like, wow, Doug, you're talking about marriage, and I need like some meat, some flesh, some reality, and you're talking Jesus Christ in the church, and it's like, well, I'm clicking out. I don't know what you're talking about. Hang in here because I know right where you're at. Okay, so let's go. Today we're going to go to two passages, Ephesians chapter 5 and then Genesis chapter 1 and 2. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible with you and you need a Bible, we've got some people who can get a Bible to you to to use, to borrow today, because we are all about the Bible here. And uh, Ephesians chapter 5 is going to be talking about... Uh, In essence, if you're kind of like, well, prove it to me, Doug, that's what we're going there for. Um, And then we're going to go to Genesis 1 and 2 on how that looks. In other words, okay, if that is the purpose, like I'm a real person and I live a real life, so can you make this for real? Uh, Yeah, let's go because God did, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, and this is a passage uh, at the end of the book of what? Okay, have some fun here, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, and chapter 5 is after what? Okay, good. All right. That has nothing to do with anything. But here's the deal. The next two weeks, we are going to be spending a lot of time in Ephesians chapter 5, okay? Uh, but here's what I want for us to do. We're going to read this passage. And as we read for this passage, 
um, um, look for the image. Look for the as's. All right? So don't get too caught up in what it's talking about in specific. Look at the correlation. What's it referencing to? Okay, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. By the way, husbands, if you get sick next week and you're laying in bed and you're like, I don't feel like going to church today, wives, get them out. Because we're talking to husbands next week, lovingly. Husbands, love your wives. How? How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water and with the word, so that the present, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be homely. Wow, excuse me there, that she might be holy and without blemish. (laughs) Oh, my word. (laughs) Never done that. Never. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Now listen to verse 31. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Don't forget that. Uh, Verse 32. This mystery... It is, is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Listen to me. The purpose of marriage is that a marriage reflect Jesus Christ and the church. Ephesians chapter 5. Okay? That is the big overall purpose of marriage. Well, let's think through the redemption story. Because if we're supposed to be living out in a marriage what that is, let's just real quick think through the redemption story. If you want, you can write down Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. If you think through that, what it states is is that everyone starts out separated from God because of sin. All are alone. All are dead. They're separated from God. Then a person can come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ by receiving him. And it's about leaving the old life and receiving and cleaving to the new life. That's what it's talking about there. Okay? Leaving and cleaving. And so we leave and we cleave and we hold fast to Christ. Then we begin a whole new life direction, weaving as one flesh together with Christ. Growing in Christ. Now, by the way, add into that the reality that Jesus Christ left his heavenly home and came and resided with mankind and cleaved to them. And now Christ is at the right hand of the Father and the Trinity is working that we weave into a relationship with him. Hey, you and I, husbands and wives, 
God has designed it to be that we live out the redemption story. In fact, let me bring a couple verses, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, leave and cleave, so walk in him. Weave. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 14. But whatever was to my profit, I now count as lost for the sake of Christ. I leave me and cleave to him. I press on towards the goal of the prize to the upward call of Christ Jesus. That's growing in him. That's weaving in Christ. Second uh, Corinthians 5.15. And he died that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Leave. But may live for him. Cleave and weave. So what's the purpose of marriage? So what is the purpose of marriage? To be a living picture and to be a living picture of Jesus Christ and the church. Now, let me give you five wrong reasons to get married. Okay? By the way, if you are married, you are married. I'm serious about this. I've had people who have said, well, we married for the wrong reason, so can we get out? No. In fact, what a better opportunity to live out the redemption story. Five wrong reasons, five wrong purposes to get married. Uh, For my happiness. For my happiness. You know what? That was my reason. I had this hot chick. She was, right, Karen? (laughs) Hey, listen to me. Marriage can bring great joy. But think about this. In those days, in those weeks, in that month, in those months where you're like, not feeling so happy right now. If that is your goal, then that's a reason to get out. Marriage from God's perspective is not about my happiness or your happiness. Is marriage like a bummer? No. But it's not about my happiness. By the way, it's not to meet my needs. Marrying someone so that they meet my needs. Yes, we can be a neat team, and it is nice to be a team together. But ultimately, it's not about meeting my needs. Because when he doesn't meet your needs, reason to get out. When she isn't meeting your needs, needs, it's time to get out from that purpose. Third, a person is my best foreseen option. And I'm going to tell you, there are times where that happens. I want to get married. I'm lonely. And right now, as I look at the scope of the terrain of possibilities, she's the best option. Not the reason. Billy Graham said, better to live ten less years with the right spouse than ten more years with a wrong kind of spouse. Fourth, the person is hot or loaded or an image. And it's done. Um, fifth, because of my parents or my friends, the pressure. Mom and dad love this guy. My friends just think well, I would be a fool not to marry her. Wrong reasons. Well, before we had to get to the live it out, I have to ask this question. Couples. The purpose of marriage is to be a living picture of Jesus Christ and the church. 
And I just have to ask this question before we go any further. Because we don't want to just be hearers. We want to be doers. And if you want to be a doer right now, I have to ask this question. Do you care? Because you may right now be, I think, two possibilities or three. One going, yeah, Doug, we are working on that. Great. Keep listening because we always need to be reminded and have tidbits to help. Secondly, one is it's like we aren't. I've tried and I quit. Well, frankly, just admit it. You don't care if that's the case. But let me tell you something. I love you enough to be straight up with you. The scriptures say God does care. So I call you to care this morning. And others are kind of like, I don't know what this means. I do care, but I don't know what this means. Well, let's now talk about the how-to. I'm assuming you care. And if you don't, just right now, be asking yourself, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in this with God that I don't care what God thinks about this thing? Because he does. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I'm telling you, I'm really intense about this stuff. Because it's just such a big deal to God as I look at the scriptures. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Let's just set a little bit of, uh, of space here for us in understanding what's going on. Genesis chapter 1. What is the book of Genesis after? The contents page. That's right. Genesis chapter 1. Here we go. Uh, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Hey, just a couple tidbits. God created man and a woman. And God created them in his image. God created marriage. In chapter 2, chapter 2 and 3 is a breakout, really, a narrowing down of chapter 1. Then God blesses them, and God wanted more like them. Let's read verse 31 in chapter 1. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God saw everything that included marriage. And God said, good Very, very good. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Does that sound familiar? Remember Ephesians chapter 5? Same thing. And verse 25 here. And the man uh, and his wife are both naked and were not ashamed. Uh, God created marriage with a design. It's a for-life design, and the design is to leave, to cleave, and to weave. So how do you be a living picture of Jesus Christ and the church? Three ways. Leave, cleave, and weave. So what's the purpose of marriage? To be a living picture. A living picture of what? Of Christ and the church. And how do you do that? Okay, now let's go find out what those mean, all right? Here we go. Leave. Leave means in here, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother. It's a walking away from something. It's a going to something. It's, it's you're done with something. I'm done with that. Okay, I'm leaving. Leaving what? Leaving what? Leaving father and mother. It's leaving the parents. Listen, it's about forming a new relationship. 
It's about going from a, 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 a parent-authority relationship to something totally new. It's about leaving, if you will, kind of a, a single life, a, a life with parents, a single life, and moving to something different. And, and it's about leaving. It's about giving up some things. Listen, too many come into marriage and think, I'm a single, you're a single, I do all this kind of stuff, and you do all this kind of stuff. We'll come together, we'll be married lovers, and we're going to do everything we did as singles. And that is right. It doesn't work that way. It's about coming into something new, but it's about first you've got to leave something. And I'm going to spend some time on this leaving reality because Karen and I, over the years, have spent a lot of time with young couples. And many young couples have not left. And adults with kids who are married. I'm going to talk to you here in a little bit with some love, but with some reality. Because a lot of parents are not letting their kids leave. It's about leaving. It's about a relationship change. Now, one of the greatest things that has helped me was when someone taught me about TPT. TPT. TPT, what is it? Well, it's about temporary. Temporary. You see, Bruce, if you could put that one up. Yeah, there we go. When I was born, I was born to Jerry and Janice. Jerry and Janice were my mom and dad. Jerry and Janice have baby Doug. That is a real picture. They have baby Doug, and in that thing, uh, there is, that is a temporary relationship. Now listen to me, though. My mom is still my mom, but the relationship has changed. We were in a temporary relationship together where my mom and dad had a responsibility to raise me, and they're going to be held accountable for how they raised me. <laughs> it's their fault. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so teens, listen to me just a second. One, you're in a temporary relationship right now, and there's a part of you that should go, yes. And I mean that seriously, and parents don't get offended by that. I remember that. I'm so glad I didn't live at home and don't live at home still. But there's an aspect of your temporary, but teens also understand this. Your mom and dad still have, or your mom or your dad still have an authority over you that they're responsible to God. And it's like, well, Doug, I want to get out now. Understand, the time will come, but right now you are in a temporary relationship under your mom, under your dad. Okay, after temporary, then came a permanent relationship. Karen and I got married. When it was at that point in time, when Karen and I got married, everything changed. I came into a permanent relationship. I left mom and dad and got married. And Karen and I, to death do you part. It's a for-life commitment between a man and a woman. Then, Doug and Karen had the two coolest kids on the planet, Luke and Emily. And there was a temporary relationship with them. Doug and Karen had babies, Luke and Emily. And by the way, we in our family are right now on the verge of this cycle happening again. Because this summer our son is planning to get married. And when he gets married... And in fact, we are already in the leaving process. He's leaving. And he is establishing a relationship with a great gal that is permanent. And things are going to change. 
things already have been changing. Okay, TPT. Let, let me let me come back and make a few uh, make a few comments on this. Married couples, have you left your mom and dad? Have you left your mom and dad? No, no, no I'm not talking geographically. I am talking up here. Have you left your mom and dad? Or are you always seeking dad's approval for decisions between the two of you? Or when problems come, are you always running back to mom and dad to have them take care of the situation or jump in? I could just go on and on with this. But I am telling you, if you are like, this isn't an issue for you, I'm telling you, this is an issue for a lot of couples. Where the wife has not left mom or not left dad. Where the husband has not left mom or has not left dad. It's out there and it's happening. You take your problems to your spouse. Your spouse is your first source of things. And if you have not left in love, I call you, do what God says, and leave your parents. There have even been times where I think suggesting that a couple get married and live in a different geography part of the, of the planet is a good thing at times. Listen, everybody loves Raymond. It's funny on TV. <laughs> it's not funny in life. Because I and Karen have sat down with people who live that. And it's hell on earth. And marriages are being destroyed over it. And I don't care if you're 22 and married or if you're 102 and married. Have you left your mommy? Have you left your daddy? Listen, things change. It's not that you're mean. That's not what I'm talking about. I love my mom. My dad's passed away. My stepdad, I love my stepdad. I love Karen's parents. We get together, but you know what I'm talking about. You leave. You, you, you leave and you cleave. Okay? Parents with married children. As I mentioned earlier, have you allowed your kid, your child to leave you? Again, this is, as we talked last Sunday, I'm getting very practical with things in this series because I'm just tired of fluff talk when it comes down to this kind of stuff. And plus, as you get, have the opportunity to get more and more in families' lives, you come to understand what's taking place. And in-laws, I'm parents, I am just telling you, we have come into counter with numbers and numbers of young single couples, young family couples, middle-aged family couples, where their mom or their dad aren't letting them leave. Listen, in this, I honor and I obey my parents. In this, I honor my parents, but I don't obey them. It changes. Okay? Always honor your parents. You love them, but you don't obey them anymore. You are with your spouse. It's one. Uh, Parents, offer input only when asked. You're getting your nose too much into their business. Time to lovingly stop for the love of God and the love of your kids. Yeah, but they're going to suffer in some ways. Listen, big God. And it's good for them to grow together. 
Are you always pulling them out of their trials? I just have to add this. Are you judgmental of them? Sometimes we come across the situations where, where, you know, the dad is always thinking that, you know, that son is never quite as good as he was as a dad. Well, duh, he's not a dad. He's a husband. And he's not perfect either. Let him go. Let them be a unit together. Don't be the judgment call like in Everybody Likes Loves Raymond with the mother. Let them leave. You are not their primary relationship anymore. They love you. They appreciate you. I don't know what's going on with the relationship, but if you need to cut it, adults with kids, maybe you need to make a phone call this week and just reset your priorities with your kids. Let them leave. Maybe you need to have to have the hard talk. Hey, parents with young kids, we're going to get in this with, when you get to parenting. Are you preparing your kids to leave home? Are you preparing for your kids to leave home? The goal of parenting, Karen and I, goal of parenting was to raise our children to leave home to handle life equipped biblically. Now, it's going to be their choice after that. But our job is to raise our children to leave home, to handle life, handle life equipped biblically. That means everything that takes place when they're two has an end-leaving application. When they're two, when they're three, when they're four, when they're five, all of those kinds of things as a parent, I'm thinking about when they leave home because that's my goal. And the kinds of things right now when they go beat the living tar out of the other two-year-old next year, it's not funny. It kind of is, but it's not funny. <laughs> Because of the implications later on. Just add 10. Okay? So the first one is leave. Leave. Second one. What does Genesis 2 say? A husband and wife shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave, shall hold fast to his wife. You got the picture? It's an intense word. It's about hold fast. By the way, just like when a person comes to Jesus Christ as their Savior, you give up the old self and you hold on to Jesus. The only reason I can say that I'm saved in Christ is because Jesus is there and I'm holding on to him and he's holding on to me. It's the only reason. So it's cleaving, it's a hold fast. Cleave to who? Cleave to your wife, cleave to your husband. This becomes your primary and most important relationship in your life. Yes, over your children. We are about marriage-centered homes, not child-centered homes. Parenting series here in about three weeks. Ways to know if you are cleaving. There's no aloneness. No aloneness. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God looks at Adam and he says, and he says It is not good that the man shall be alone. God didn't make a mistake. God was doing all this to help us to understand how this worked out. And God looked at the situation. Listen, Adam, you're not to be alone. I'm going to make a helper for you. And you're to be a team. And here's part of my question. You husbands are to make sure that your wife never feels alone. That's impossible. No, I think it is possible. In other words, no matter how hard life is getting, how depressing life is at the moment, I always know that my wife is there. We may not even be getting along at the moment, but she's there. I know that if all of you diss out on me, my wife's going to be here listening to me. (laughs) Okay? And and in this, it's the kind of thing my wife should never feel alone. Oh, my goodness, guys, do we have a challenge? 
because we don't get this one a lot. Next week. I do have a question for you, married couples. Is your spouse feeling alone at this stage of life right now? If she is, if he is, homework assignment. That's got to change. It's got to change. It's got to change. There's no aloneness. Secondly, resolving problems. Resolving problems shows that you're a couple that cleaves together, where you just work on stuff. Listen, it's not about no ha- not having problems. You marry this woman, you marry that woman, you marry that woman. You're going to have problems in any of those. That's not the issue. I want to find my soulmate, because then we won't have problems. Get real. That's Barney life. <laughs> it's just, come on. Two sinners living together, you're always going to have problems. The issue is, is are you resolving them? A third one, spiritual growth. Are you growing in your spiritual walk together? Are you spurring one another? Are you participating together? Do you talk Christ? Do you talk ministry? If not, why not? Uh, Fourth, sexual satisfaction. (laughs) Yeah, we talk about that in here because the Bible talks about it. And God does have an answer for sexual desire that God created, by the way. When sex came into the picture, it was before sin. And God saw everything as good. And listen to me. This is one of the areas in life where God created marriage. So sexual satisfaction is taking place. And if it isn't, then you got some homework. Fifth. Is your spouse your first confidant? I mean, your best counselor. You know, not really, Doug. Well, because we got problems. Well, then let's start working on them. Start working on them. Couples, are you cleaving? And it never ends. Your life and your spouse always change. Parents with kids still at home, do you work at helping train them on how to resolve problems? We're going to be talking about some of this later on. Empty nesters, is your spouse your primary relationship or is your hobby or your grandkids? I'm not saying those are wrong. I'm all about hobbies. I'm all about grandkids. Well, not yet, but (laughs) all about that. But I'm saying it's a primary. In other words, when the kids leave, it's kind of like, oh, goodness sakes, now what do we do together? That's been a child-centered home and not a marriage-centered home. We're about marriage-centered homes. Singles, is your candidate ready to leave and to be a cleaver? Do you have a candidate? When you come to that point, someone you're thinking about, are they someone that's going to leave and someone's going to cleave to you? Are they showing that he or she is giving up some things in life right now? Don't think when we get married, then he'll be better. Ay, 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 ay. Three weave, and we got to wrap it. Three weave. Genesis, it says, What? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's a weaving. Now, in some ways, the cleaving and the weaving are kind of similar in some ways, but this is the weaving. It's a whole life plan together. The whole life thing from beginning all the way till death, you're working on it. It's about putting your, your spouse's needs and desires above your own. 
It's about having unified goals, proper goals. It's about communication that forms and builds. It's about helping your spouse to be all that Jesus Christ would want them to be. And this is the formation of the living picture is the ongoing growth together as a couple. And if you've stalled, if you've stalled in this, that's okay. Time to go. Time to go. Time to pick it up and get back at it. Okay? Now, at this point, there can be some butt dugs. Let me just address a few as we come close here. Uh, the statement, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I got hope for you. One, you're not a dog. And two, I'm not talking about tricks. I'm serious. I'm not talking about tricks. I'm talking about being the kind of couple the way God designed you to be. Uh, It's too hard. Okay, the redemption story. Jesus Christ in Gethsemane. And he knew what crucifixion was going to be. And there he is in the transparency of the moment. Oh, Father, take this away from me. I don't want to do this. But then he says, not my will. That was the 100% man part. Not my will, your will. And in this, it's too hard. Listen, I know I'm coming across just intense hard today, but I just got to say this from God's perspective. So what? What did you expect? This is about pleasing God, not pleasing self, as we talked about last week. If we don't have that as our goal, then the rest really doesn't matter a whole lot. But if you are about wanting to please God, then it's the kind of thing where, yeah, it's hard. Oh, absolutely it's hard. But it's worth it. And it's what God expects. We married for all the wrong reasons. That's okay. Better opportunity for a living picture. Right, Jim and Carol? We had dinner the other night. Talked about that. Another one. We've tried. Unacceptable answer. Boy, am I coming across like a nagging parent tonight? But it's an unacceptable answer. Because God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Uh, But she, Doug, but he, Doug, you don't know my spouse. But he or she is not your excuse. Because you're going to stand before God one day and give an account. Go and read Hosea. Read Hosea about a man whose wife was a prostitute. And then he got married and she went back to it. And he went and bought her out. Talking about hard. Talking about trying. Talking about rejection. Talking about, but I've tried a hundred times. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Uh, But we've made great mistakes. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, my word, could I like to go back and do some things different. Right, Karen? Right? I mean, we do. She wishes I could. Or the others, but I've never known this before. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, Forgetting what's behind and pressing towards what's ahead. That's the kicker here. So what's the purpose of marriage? And a living picture of what? Okay, and how do we go about living that out? 
Okay, next week and the week after, we're going to get very narrowed in on, for the husband, what does that look like? For a wife, what does that look like? But let me leave you with a couple possible applications here. I've noted a bunch. But let me leave you with some. Go home and thank your spouse, married couples. Just go home and thank them. That they're still there in spite of who you and I are. Go home. Maybe you need to go home and just ask for forgiveness. And that you haven't been the kind of spouse that has been about pleasing God. And you want to. Maybe you need to ask the kids for forgiveness as well. Here's another one. Go home and keep a journal for three weeks. Just five, ten minutes a day with these two questions. What's going on in our marriage? Just five minutes, ten minutes in a day. You just write down, well, just, um, just for observation. What's going on in your marriage? How are things moving along? What's the picture over three weeks? And then, as well as each day, how, how, what am I learning about me in marriage in light of as I'm thinking about it now? We usually just get on the river and float rather than be strategic and push the paddles in and go to something. And just having a journal for three weeks allows you to see what's going on. Another is, and I don't mean this crass, I don't mean this bad, but I mean this serious. Go home and kiss and make out. I'm just going to go on. Six, go home, call your parents or call your kids and arrange for a leaving discussion time. I wish I could have Sarah and Wes here to tell you the testimony of that happening and how that TPT thing completely changed their life in marriage. And Wes went home and lovingly had the hard talk with his mom and dad and telling about, listen, mom and dad, it's time and we've got to make some changes. And some tears were cast and some feelings were hurt for a while. But I want to tell you, Wes and Sarah today are joy. And their parents are honored by what their kids are doing. It's cool. Uh, I said, go out and get some resources. Here's what we're doing during this series. In this series, we're just trying to, we've got a book table out here. And the reason is because I just can't cover everything. Wow, I'm already over anyway. Gee, there's a surprise. So let me highlight just a couple things here for you. A couple books. And each week, I'm going to be highlighting some specific books. One is When Sinners Say I Do. We've got it out at the book table. Every couple should read this. This is one that drives to how to think about marriage. What we're talking about today, and it extends it on out. When Sinners Say I Do. The other one, Strengthening Your Marriage. It hits in areas of life, Wayne Mack. It's in key areas of life, gives you a biblical perspective on it, and it really gets at areas. What's the purpose, but also husband-wife, but also sexual intimacy, and a lot of the things we're covering in this series, but on, you can do on your own in some more detail. Another one, Singles, and I've got Singles, a few things out there, but I've got another one here out there that's called Pre-Engagement. In other words, how to look and think about it. Before you get engaged, read this. Please read it. Okay? All right, then there's just a bunch of resources out there. You can take a look. We're selling them at our cost uh, for you with that. We got the Wind Center Say I Do in your update. Uh, read it and read it and read it. Okay? And if you've got a couple extras, keep it because hopefully one day you're going to have someone in your home that says, I need some help, and you can pull that out and start going over that together. All right. Well, another is give up some things. Just give up some things. Maybe it's time to key in on working on your marriage if that needs to be the case. And one of those things you can do is, is jump in a connection group. Because, listen, connection groups aren't just about you getting out stuff. 
It's about you being around people and watching other people, how they live life and be encouraged by them and learn from them. It's about you putting into them. Don't go to get, go to give. That's what these are about. Go to give and be a part of it. Well, we need to finish off and uh, I pray that uh, God will work, grow, and help us in our marriages and in uh, one day if you're going to become married that God would work in your heart that you would be the kind of single that would be a living picture. By the way, be working on being a living picture right now in your area. Hey, let me pray and we'll go. God, thank you so much for your goodness in our lives. Thank you so much for your love and your grace in our lives. I thank you for these folks and just their time and their willingness to listen. Father, Ephesians chapter 5, if we don't understand that marriage is about this living picture, all that Ephesians 5 says makes no sense. And all of the purpose of marriage makes no sense. But because it's about uh, you and, and, and having an image of you, Lord, uh, it provides an opportunity for us to be a living picture. And, and Father, I, just the Genesis, Lord, if there's anyone today who's, who's married or is yet to be married and isn't leaving, isn't building in that reality in their life, oh God, I pray that they would make that step now lovingly and yet uh, in reality. Father, I'm sure this morning there are some couples here that are just hurting. That are just at a place where maybe they're like, I quit. Or maybe they're like the two roommates. Or maybe they're like they're just lobbing bombs. Or or maybe they're just a masquerade. Oh God, I pray that they would see the importance of this enough to purpose to be the kind of couple that weaves and cleaves together. It's not about my happiness, but yet uh, as a result of doing what's right, you do bless. God, I thank you for my wife. Lord, thank you for marriage. May we be a place that holds it high. And may we be a people that is humble enough that when we need help, we'll go get it. Lord, if there's anyone here after the service just needs to come up and just ask someone to pray for them. We're going to have some people up here and just mentioning to you, we're going to have some people up here. You can just come and just say, will you pray for me in this or whatever? Uh, Just that they would do that. But God, may they make a step and be a doer. Lord, thank you for the time. It's all about you, for your name. Amen.